Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, where it's my job to introduce you to people from the world of commercial property. We're talking with investors and thought leaders about their experiences of the commercial property world and sharing our own lessons from the last 20 years to give you practical know-how so that you can follow in their footsteps. If you've ever thought commercial could be your next step, but it just seems too confusing and opaque, then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. Property Investor Podcast, and I'm your host, Jerry Alexander. Well, how are things going with you? Have you managed to find any new deals recently? Or any new lettings? Or is there some projects you're developing out? We haven't bought any new projects recently, but we still have about 17,000 square foot of space or thereabouts, which we're currently developing out. So that's kind of keeping us busy. Our occupancy is continuing to hold up, and the redevelopment projects the team are working on right now are coming along nicely as well as the usual number of small alterations and continuous facilities improvements we make to our buildings. We, we do have a couple of main projects, I guess, that we're working on right now, and there's lots of things going on. There's concrete slabs being formed, steelwork, partitions, service installations, new toilet fit-outs, suspended ceilings, painting, roofing, commercial kitchen upgrades and reception areas, etc., etc. Lots of things going on. However, For a few minutes today, I'm going to leave all that behind and talk to you about financial independence. What does it actually mean? What are the different stages? And how on earth can it relate to commercial property for private investors like you and I? Commercial property investing can absolutely get you there. And some of our listeners will 100% agree, of course, because they're already there. But others of you are still working out if this can possibly happen for you. For some of you who are further into this, then I'm sure you'll agree preservation of capital is critical to keeping up momentum. I'm going to cover some pointers near to the end of this podcast about ways in which you can mitigate some of the tax and increase the effectiveness of your capital investments. Obviously, to some of us, commercial property investing done the right way can be very effective for this. But before we dive into that, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Are you struggling to get started? Or to visualise what commercial properties can look like for you? Are you interested in CMO properties, those multi-let commercial buildings that we spend so much time on? Then how would you like to join me for a behind-the-scenes tour of some of our buildings, the ones we own and operate now? We'll spend a full day immersed in commercial property. In the morning, we'll do a tour of some of our properties. And then in the afternoon, go through an introduction to commercial property with some Q&A. You can ask me anything you want. We're going to be doing this on the 28th of October. Now, it is an in-person event, so you will need to be able to travel to meet us. And numbers will naturally be very limited on this because we're going to be going around live sites, including developments, and fully operational locations where there's customers and things. So we've got to, you know, we can't all be driving around lots and lots of buses and things. So to reserve your place, seek out the link in the show notes. And I look forward to meeting you on the day and showing you around what we've been up to. Now, As I've mentioned before in a few podcasts, I'm an avid fan of playing Cashflow 101, which is the board game developed by Robert Kiyosaki, who, for those of you who don't know, is famous for developing or writing the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And he developed this game around the book 
to teach us ways of investing in assets and effectively to get out of the rat race. And that's the key thing about the game, really, is to find your way out of the rat race. In order to do that, you need to get enough income from assets to cover your basic expenses. Some people say that stage equals financial independence. It's where you have passive income, or as close to passive as you can get, that covers your day-to-day living expenses. And therefore, you don't necessarily need to continue with getting earned income. If you spend any time on social media, you will have noticed there are quite a few interpretations of what financial independence really means. And often it's linked with residential property investment. But I don't think I've ever heard of it talked of in the context of commercial property. And it was only in thinking about this topic that I realised my story of financial independence is actually based around commercial property investing rather than the residential. And although we started out residential with a goal to make, I think it was £1,000 a month from residential properties, it didn't necessarily end up that that was what provided it. That would have meant neither of us, myself and my wife, needs to work for someone else anymore. And I did have another business I was beginning to build at the time, but also it was a number of years ago. And looking back, I guess I thought I would get residential investments sorted first, and then I'd move into commercial property once I was financially independent. But it's not really the way it turned out. Commercial came to us much earlier in the process because I wanted to scale quicker. And of course, life's expenses increased, so the £1,000 ended up being more. So you don't have to stick to residential to reach that goal either. That's my point. It's possible to gain financial independence from active commercial investing. Now, I do account myself lucky that there wasn't lots of social media noise about it back then to give me conflicting viewpoints and definitions. You see, there were only really books. Let's just say there was less faking it until you make it going on. So in this episode, I'm going to add to the noise and talk about financial independence, but within the context of commercial property investing. Commercial brings you that opportunity for scale and, of course, cash flow. In fact, sometimes a single building can provide you a good level of financial independence all on its own. Now, before I go any further, it might be best that I give you my definition of financial independence. It is, of course, different for everybody else, so let's at least get some context of where I'm coming from. Earned income is from a job, or when you swap hours for money. It doesn't matter how much you earn per hour, it could be in the millions. But it's not passive, nor an income that is truly from a place of financial independence, because if you stop trading hours, the income stops. Financial independence is when you can live off the income from your core assets that require minimal time input, if any. So the trick is to build up those core income-producing assets. Now, we're here to talk about commercial property, but of course it could be other forms of property, it could be other forms of intellectual property, it might be a book you've written, some code, some program. There's lots and lots of different assets that you can develop that will give you income over time. But a lot of them, that income will reduce over time. So you have to think, even though maybe you've established a way of creating an asset that will produce income, how long for is a question you need to ask yourself. So to me, there's really three stages to this whole thing. The first stage, looking back to my own situation, was save, raise money and invest to build a cash flow. Your net cash flow, that is, after all those property expenses, finance costs and capital repayments. 
See, most commercial loan products on the traditional market require to pay down capital. So it is rare to find interest-only products. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it just makes you work harder for the right deals. Because basically, when the net income is worked out, you may have to actually be giving some capital back. And in our journey, a combination of saving money and finding private finance helped us get started. So that's the save and raise money bit. And we actually saved and invested in equities for a few years first. The book that I read at that time was The Richest Man in Babylon, which hugely affected my thinking. I now know that I could have done everything much quicker by working with investors and raising private finance more than I did. But, you know, you don't know what you don't know. I think actually this is the hardest stage, though. This stage of saving, raising money and investing to get the cash flow moving. You need to try and believe in yourself and trust the process. You need to build momentum. From a standing start, when others around you might be suggesting that you're not thinking straight and you should be concentrating on getting a proper career. I got that one. You need to raise money and find deals, whatever they look like, and try not to give everything to the government in tax when you make a transaction or pass go, as it were. Some tips for this stage. Get some help some mentors and people around you that will support you and have travelled the road before. This is not the stage where you'll find total financial independence, but where you can build the foundation for yourself and for your loved ones. It is tough, but it's so worth it. Then you get to move on to the next stage. Stage two is where you can cover your basic personal expenses. As Robert would say, get yourself out of the rat race. This is not a wealthy stage, just the end of the tough growth and the beginning of the consolidation and momentum building. You can sustain your life independent from a job or external source, but not by merely swapping hours for money. However, you may still have to work for this and not have the necessarily people and team between you and the income generation. So some of your assets here might be great cash flow generators, but they might not be truly hands-off, and that's okay. You might take a different type of investing or asset base beyond this with possibly a lower yield expectation, but with a much lower level of time input. So once you've got to that stage where you've, you've got enough income that you are now not dependent on earned income, now you have to start thinking about beyond that. How do I make it as passive as possible? Or how do I grow the pot if that's what you want to do? And once you get to this stage and leave the older income producing activities such as a job, you soon wonder how on earth you had time to fit it all in. <laughs> this is a great stage to be in. But I think some people just get busy and don't get to the next stage because the plan was to get to stage two, where they were financially independent. But once you're there, everything can become very comfy. Perhaps you're there right now and you've got to a stage where you've left work, you've got some good assets producing some income, but you find yourself doing developments, different bits and pieces, but never quite actually adding the scale you really want. It's quite easy to forget the difference between trading assets and keeping cash flowing assets. Every time you take on one of those lovely sexy projects where you develop out a bundle of flats, apartments or houses and then sell them like a proper bona fide developer, it can really help build your ego and give you nice cash lumps. But each time you do that, your big partner, called the government, will take its profit share, otherwise known as a tax of profits. And this isn't 
a joint venture where they're taking on all the risk. No, no, this is just where they're sharing the profits. And that can really kill cash flow and momentum. So, stage three, it's all about passive cash flow from assets and a team creating real lifestyle choices. That may mean trading in more active business for more passive investments with less risk, as I said. But the less ROI is really to be expected because that's why there's less return on investment, because there's less risk. If you have an opco and a propco, it might mean selling the opco to another party or possibly to your management team. This is really when you're getting to a stage where you've got real cash flow in stage three and lifestyle choices. You would still remain the landlord if you did that, by the way, and sold your um, operating company, but you would have much less involvement in the day-to-day operations. This is living in the fast track, as Robert Kiyosaki would say. This is where you've taken care of the basics and now you're having a little more fun, this time by adding more to your portfolio of properties or by adding business assets. The key is adding passive income, producing assets, to maintain your financial independence. It doesn't mean you can't roll up your sleeves and get stuck into a new start, of course, or even a more manual activity, if you so desire. The key thing is you now have choices. And that is what true financial independence offers. Of course, not everyone can work out when enough is enough. and Many of you may struggle with that. I know I have. And that's a personal question that only you can answer for yourself. It also means we shouldn't perhaps judge anybody else out there who hasn't been able to answer that question yet. And perhaps they're still far, far too busy. Or at least it seems they are. But for some people, it's the thrill of getting to somewhere bigger or creating something new. And maybe that's where we have to just leave that one. Here's a vital, vital tip. With all the depressing taxes that we have to pay as individuals and as companies, it is important to build capital and spend money from your asset income rather than your precious earned income. However, that doesn't mean you have to put life on hold and not take a breath until you're your target financial level. You need to strike a balance. Time is relentless and you don't want to completely miss things in life. Enjoy the journey. In the UK, we recently had another tax rise for both employees and employers. Plus, there's corporation tax changes on their way, in the wrong direction, of course, at least for the owners of companies. As all residential investors know only too well, the Section 24 changes in the UK also mean that interest payments on any rental properties they own, in their own name, can't now be offset against income. So there are a number of things coming at us from the tax point of view. And the point I'm trying to make here is you need to try and create the capital in the assets so at least they at the moment are not taxed and they are maintained. Then it's up to you what you do with the earned income or should I say the asset producing income after that. But here are a few thoughts on ways to try and minimise that tax take. And they're a bit random, different things, and some of them are UK specific, I'm afraid. And in other countries, um, I know there are other options. And you just need to make sure you get really good advice from a tax advisor. And what I would suggest is that you do need to try and paint them a picture of where you're trying to get to. And if they're not believing you, (laughs) which I've had, then you have to just say, well, picture this. 
if I was in this situation in five years' time, with this level of assets and income, how can I best serve to protect it now? What things do I need to be doing now to make sure it's protected when we get there? Hopefully they'll give you some answers. One of the things you should think about in the UK, mentioned a lot, maximise your ISA or your personal savings accounts. Where there is a tax-free wrapper, okay, this is one for after-tax money, but it will protect future income for you. The second one I've got here is about SAS. Now, this is quite specific. It's definitely for the UK, and it's related to, well, you would have heard potentially the most recent podcast about this, but it's related to having a sponsoring company that you create a small pension scheme related to you and up to 11 others. Generally, family, maybe some employees too. It depends on how you want to structure it. But it is a small self-administered scheme. And in there, you can vitally put commercial property. And the thing is, if you develop out the model correctly, you could place your commercial investment within that tax-free wrapper, which is the SAS, and seek to generate some additional income for the here and now by running the operations of a multi-let CMO building outside of the pension with a separate operating company. So you can benefit from the tax-free nature of the SAS wrapper, but still create an income for your day-to-day. Another one which I've covered before is forestry. I just want to bring that one up again. Forestry has a few quirks. There is tax-free income on the sale of timber. There is rollover relief, one of the few things where you can get relief on the sale of an asset. So, for instance... If you're just half or just about to sell a business, you can get rollover relief if you invest in forestry. But you have to remember, it needs to be commercial woodland, not amenity. That's important to remember. But there is capital gains tax on the land. So if you sold a forest and there was a value increase in the land, then I'm afraid you're going to have to pay capital gains tax on that. But there is not capital gains tax on the value increase on the timber. Unfortunately, you can't leverage woods and the income is sporadic. However, from an inheritance point of view, you can pass it on. Definitely one to look at, but as I say, it's not a great one for leverage. It's a good one for protecting money longer term. Maybe not necessarily creating it. Although we did quite well when we bought and sold our woodland, but that was because the price of timber increased so much. Another thing to think about is just keep a keen eye out for the environmental sector, for any more incentives to come out. There'll be a few here listening that have benefited from some of the incentives for solar or perhaps biomass in the past. And I'm hoping there'll be a few more carrots rather than just all sticks to actually get us to improve our environmental condition. So the obvious one, though, is get investing in commercial property, particularly CMO, if you're trying to get financial independence, because that's where there's an opportunity to increase the net income with a solid plan not necessarily just buying and holding. There are a number of ways, of course, to build momentum in commercial. I didn't take any income for the first few years, so I could build up that momentum. And that is part of my strategy. You could use a different approach, of course. It can be one of the asset classes that gets you pretty close to passive. Very few truly do, of course. Almost everything needs some activity, even if for just a few short bursts every now and then. Remember, every time you sell an asset, you crystallise a taxable gain. Now, I know some countries will give you rollover relief, and I mentioned one here in the UK about forestry, but most of the time there's a taxable gain that you have to deal with. 
Trading properties can build up lumps of cash, but every time you do that, you have to share the spoils with the taxman. Why not put your efforts into property that will give you good capital uplift, keep them, and learn to love the cash flow? I think the big difference here that people miss is that residential property might return 3 or 4%, up to maybe even 10% return on investment, depending on where it is and the risk. But with commercial, the return on investment can be significantly higher. Now, when the ROI is quite low, I can understand why a residential developer would want to sell because the cash flow is relatively low compared with the investment value. So really, you want to pull that money out and do it again. But in commercial, the cash flow can be quite high, comparatively speaking. So it's much more palatable to keep a commercial redevelopment for the cash flow and to use the extra value you've created to leverage for the next acquisition. This is one of the best kept secrets in property investing. This one thing can help you build real momentum for both net income and the overall capital value of your portfolio. Remember, the secret here is to get a place where you're living off the income from your core assets, which don't require your time input. When you're spending money, ask yourself, where did this money come from? Is it earned money or asset-produced income? Because if you can preserve your capital and create more and more assets within the, um, your, your portfolio that are producing cash flow, now you're going to make that switch from earned to asset-produced income. And commercial property done the right way can really help build momentum to get to that, rather than necessarily through a lower ROI that you may get from residential or that challenge of when you're flipping property to, to realise the gain to then go do it again. Don't be overburdened by it, especially when you're just starting out. It will take time and discipline to build up your asset income. Cut yourself some slack, but be focused on that longer term goal. You can absolutely achieve it with the commercial. The most important thing is actually recognising it and building a plan to make the changes required to set yourself free. You need a roadmap that makes sense, which can break down into those yearly, monthly and weekly actions. It's how you eat an elephant, one bite at a time. So a quick summary here. These are the three levels that I think about. The first one is really that starter stage where you're trying to save, raise money, find deals. You're starting to spin the wheels. And this is the hardest part. It's just trying to make sure you're actually getting things going. But once you've established some of that cash flow, at some point you're going to have a choice. Give up earned income and go on to more of your asset produced income. And that's when you can come out of the rat race. That's the second stage. It's kind of a bare minimum. And some people just stay there. They may do some flips now because they think that's a cool thing to do and they start creating a bit of income from flips. But actually the thing that got them there was the cash flowing assets. And really to get real lifestyle choices in the third level, you're going to have to build more cash flowing assets. And that's where it takes a bit more discipline because you've got to that stage where I guess you could be forgiven for just sitting back and relaxing for a little bit. So you really need to have self-discipline here. But just as a little nudge, taxes are going to get worse, I'm afraid. So make sure you reinvest as much of that hard earned income as you can. Invest it in assets for asset producing income. Ask yourself that question again. What type of money are you spending? Is it earned or asset produced income? Invest in 
higher cash flow in commercial to build that momentum. There are some great strategies in commercial, and I go into some of those on our mastermind and membership programs. So, of course, if you're serious about building that long-term wealth, then get in touch. See how we can help with that. So, I hope that's helped. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope it's been coherent and given you a moment to pause and think about your current direction of travel. If you found the content useful, then please take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. Of course, we would really appreciate it. And don't forget, if you want to join me on that behind the scenes day tour, then jump into the show notes right now for further information. And we'll see you on the 28th of October. It is, of course, fair to say I believe financial independence can come so much more quicker from commercial assets and creative strategies. It can look scary, but it's absolutely worth you spending the time learning how to do it properly. And I do sincerely hope that by way of this podcast, we can help you do just that. Speak to you again very soon.